Good morning. I have the privilege of introducing our speaker this morning, Reverend Deborah Velker. Um, Deborah serves in any ways, but one of the couple of the ways that I want to share is she is our district NMI, our missions director, and she also serves um, our our denomination on the global council. Um, she's going to bring us a message about God's mission, our mission. Come, Deborah. Oh, can you hear me now? Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you, Trent. I am probably the most untechnical person on earth. So anytime you give me something electronic, um, it, it never works. So <laughs> thank you for having me here. I am so excited about being in Centralia. I love this church. I love this church because... Here it is, your pastor's on sabbatical, and he's been on sabbatical for several weeks. It, sun, the sun is trying to shine. It is a Sunday in August, and you are here. Amazing. Give yourself applause. But I also love this church because you understand that the mark of a good church is how it leads its people to Jesus first, loves God with all of its heart second, and truly figures out how to love its neighbor as itself, thirdly. And this church does it as well as any church on the district. I also wanted to take a moment and just thank you, for, thank you to Karen. Where did she go? Oh, there she is. <laughs> Karen um, is a part of our district council. I know that she uh, helps keep missions ahead of you and before you in this church, and she does an excellent job. Um, but for the last several years, Karen has been elected by the district council to serve as a bright vice president, which means she is my right-hand person, and we communicate a lot. She is, um, I love her insights. I love her organizational skills. I rely on those heavily. Um, I love her servant attitude and her passion for the lost. And so I just want to say thank you, Karen. We are a better council because you are on it. So... Pastor David asked me to talk about missions. I'm not sure why he asked me to talk about missions, but here we are. But before we get started, I want to play a little game. Are you ready for this? So I, Karen and my husband will come up. Uh, I'm going to ask, it's a very simple game. Uh, the rules are very simple. And the most important thing is we have prizes, okay? So, um, so I'm going to ask you a question, and if you know the answer, you need to raise your hand, yell it out, and Karen's going to spot who answers that, and then you can either come up to my husband and get a gift, or 
um, somehow or another we're going to get that gift to you, okay? But please, okay. So, are you ready? Very first question. How many countries is the Church of the Nazarene ministering in? Anybody have an answer? 165. Wrong. I need a buzzard. (laughs) You're close. Anybody else have another guess? Okay, Randy, we'll give it to you. It's 162. Come up and get your gift. Okay, this one's a little harder. How many members worldwide does the Church of the Nazarene have? And let me just tell you, it's in the million. So don't say 10. Just three and a half. That's, anybody else have a guess? Five million. Anybody else have a guess? 2,500. You are closest. We have 2.5 million people all around the world that call themselves Nazarenes. Okay, so how many churches do we have on this district? You can't answer. (laughs) How many churches do we have on this district? We go from the top of the Canadian border down to the top of the bottom of Washington State. On the western half, we have a 65. 65, close. Anybody else? 85. 70. 45. We have 86 churches. Are you the closest? Or you are the closest. Okay, come on up and get a gift. Oh. You come up too. We have plenty of gifts. Both of you come up. (laughs) This is great. Okay, this one's going to be really hard, and Randy cannot answer this one. In fact, Randy's removed from playing from anymore. (laughs) How many years has the Washington Pacific District collectively paid over $1 million in the World Evangelism Fund? Take a guess. It's less than 10. Seven? Five? This is great. What else have we missed? One, two? (laughs) Um, The answer is three. Three years together, we have paid $1 million. We are one of the top giving uh, districts in the country, in the world. Yay for us. So I think we have two. That one was sits at four, one said. So both, whoever needs, please come. Okay, we have a couple more questions. Um, there are three core values in the Church of the Nazarene. One, we are, Christ, we are a Christian people. Two, we are a holiness people. And the third is we are a... Missiono. Who said missionos? Whoever said, come up and get a gift. You too. We've got, we got more than enough. You too. Whoever said missiono, come on up and get a gift. We are a Christian people. We are a holiness people. And we are a missional people. And that sets us apart from other denominations. These are our core values of what we believe. Okay, this is a really hard one. And this one is going to reflect on Karen, how well she's done here. So what do the initials N, 
M-I stand for? Sharon's got it. Nazarene Missions International. Very good. Okay, we have one last question. And how many gifts do we have left? Five. Five. So we have five people who can get this right answer, okay? <laughs> so as soon as you say the answer, jump up and come get a gift. Did the Centralia Church pay the World Evangelism Fund in full last year? Yes! <laughs> Yay! Okay, I need five of you, whoever wants, please come up and get a gift. I do not want to take them home, so come get a gift. Good job, everybody. Thank you, Karen and Charlie. I wasn't sure if that would go. I thought, well, I'm a guest speaker. If it doesn't work, you know, I leave, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so what exactly is missions? What does the Bible say about missions? And what is God calling us as individuals and as a church and as a, a denomination to do about missions? Missions is the heart of, heart of God. We know this through scripture. It's not simply something the Bible occasionally mentions. Missions is what the Bible is all about, from cover to cover. It's the contents that provides the backbone for God's story and our story to meet. Genesis 1 tells us that God spoke and life was formed. Everything exists by the spoken word of God. Throughout the first chapter of Genesis, God is set on bringing forth creation. He desires it, he speaks it, and it is. God said, let there be light, and there was light. The sky, the land, the seed, vegetation, and living creatures were all created by the spoken word of God. Six times in Genesis 1, God stops and looks at what he created and says, this is good, I like this. Well, that's my paraphrase. He said, this is good. In verse 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image. So God created man. Again, God evaluates his creation, not just mankind, but all of his creation together. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very, very good. God's assessment was that every part of the unspoiled creation was perfect. There was order, beauty, and purpose. Everything existed as God intended it to, and everything functioned as God intended it to. God began his relationship with mankind in Eden, with a garden planted to nurture and teach Adam and Eve how to live in perfect community with each other, with all of nature, and with him. It was, wasn't long, however, before that perfect community was broken and sin took over the land and the hearts of man. God was deeply grieved Yet, he did not give up on his desire for relationship with mankind. 
Throughout the Old Testament, in fact, we learn how God is on a constant mission to restore, redeem, and reestablish the relationship with humanity that had been cast into ruins by man's sinful nature and choices. In the Gospels, we witness how God centered that means of accomplishing his mission by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Throughout the rest of the New Testament, the mission of God continues through the sending of his church to fulfill his mission to disciple the nations. His mission is the impetus, the mode, the method, and the compulsion for the church. The church declares the truth of and demonstrates the transformational power of the gospel in a very pained world. Finally, at the end of Scripture, in the very last book of the Bible, we see the great truth of Revelation. God wins. He is glorified in all things, victorious over all powers, and has extended his mercy to draw all men and women into a covenant relationship with himself. Around his throne, worshiping our people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. God's mission is fulfilled. Amen? Amen. The Bible then, from the beginning to the end, is the great recounting of God's love for fallen humanity. He could certainly, without a doubt, accomplish his mission to restore and redeem the fallen world by himself, without assistance from any created thing, including us. However, he has chosen to involve us in the work of his mission. He calls believers to be his ambassador to the world and is calling his church to be the light in the dark and broken world around us. God's mission is our mission. The city where you live is a place God intends to reach with mercy. The job you hold can be the means through which the Spirit works to give others a view of the gospel through your life. The major and minor circumstances of your life are all relational space where he will from you, form in you the image of Christ and display that gospel for others to see its power and hear its truth. It is my prayer that this church, that you and I, that all of God's followers will continually strive to, to a more deeply love Christ and more fully engage his mission in the world. Now, there's been a lot of talk through the ages about what exactly constitutes missions. For a while, it was considered evangelizing in a foreign country was the only real mission. Everything else was just a church ministry. Then the pendulum swung the other way, and local missions became the predominant talk. The church found itself asking, why are we caring for the poor and the hurting over there, but not here? And the church poured its resources into, and focus into local needs. Fortunately, the pendulum is riding itself and is moving into the middle. We are fortunately beginning to understand and embrace what God sees as missions. Missions defines God's nature. It's not a program of the church that we do on special Sundays or highlights occasionally at a district event. We know that every part of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, 
Scripture makes it clear that God is a missionary God, God's love for the nations, and God's desire for his people to share in his passion is never a secondary issue or afterthought. This missional love stands at the very center of who God is and who God expects the church to be. God's mission is our mission. This morning we're going to talk a little bit and focus on the Church of the Nazarene um, and how the Church of the Nazarene is aligning itself and with intention and its work to, to align itself with God's mission to redeem the world. The Church of the Nazarene um, mission statement is, Randy, to make Christ-like disciples in the nation. That is our mission statement. That statement defines who we are. It is our calling to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. This is who we have been from the beginning as we prayerfully sent missionaries into the world with Christ's transformational love to answer God's call to partner with him as he actively redeems his creation. Mission is woven into the fabric of our identity as a holiness people. The Church of the Nazarene made two decisions that have set it apart from many other denominations and have helped shape our DNA. The first was not to nationalize. Many de- uh, denominations that started in America and had missionary work around the world nationalized their churches. So why they are connected, they are separate. The church in the Nazarene didn't do that. We are one church worldwide. We have from the very beginning a global focus. We understand that we are better together, working side by side to accomplish God's mission on earth. We are one church. The way that our denomination is organized is that at the highest level of leadership is the Board of General Superintendents. The general superintendents are not like a military, you know, yes sir type thing. It's more general meaning general jurisdiction, having general responsibilities for the church. It's taken a while, but the Board of General Superintendents today reflects the diversity of our denomination. Of our seven GSs, two are from Africa, Eugenio Durant and Philly Chambo. Dr. Crocker, who was at our district assembly, is from Guatemala. We have a woman who was born in Germany, Carla Sundberg. And then we have two Davids, David Busick and David Graves, who were both born in the United States. The general superintendents are elected by a equal representation from laity and clergy from all sits of our world regions. I'm telling you that so that you know that today the expression that you see of the Church of the Nazarene here in Centralia or wherever you might worship is only a part of the 2.5 million Nazarenes around the world. Did you know today this very Sunday, there have been approximately 105 million people attending a Nazarene church somewhere in the world and are worshiping in 212 different languages. We are united together, focused on the mission of God, to 
to make Christ-like disciples around the world. Together as one church, we support 700-plus missionaries in 162 countries. We do that, as you know, by each church contributing 5.5 of its income to the World Evangelism Fund. Every Nazarene church around the world contributes to that fund. It's not just American church paying for the missionaries. Every church. I was in Haiti, the poorest in the country in the Western Hemisphere, and a part of the city outside of Port-au-Prince is a city called City Soleil. It is the poorest of the poor. It is the slum of Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It is so dangerous and so um, run over by drugs and gains that our missionaries feel very uncomfortable even going into that area. But we have a church there. The Church of Nazarene has a little blue church, at least it was blue last time I was there, in the middle of City Soleil. And on the crumbling plaster walls of that church, there was a poster announcing an upcoming offering for the World Evangelism Fund. The poorest of the poor giving to the World Evangelism Fund because we are one church united. We are all together working on making Christ-like disciples across the nations. That's amazing, isn't it? This last February, I happened, uh, was, had the privilege of being at the commissioning of our uh, new set of missionaries. For this first time in over 40 years, we had, well, 40 years ago, we had 17 missionaries from one country that was or, um, sent out, commissioned to send out from the church. This last February, we commissioned 37 missionaries from 17 different countries. We are one church united. It's amazing, is it not? Do you know, uh, so this church, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, So our church is not nationalized. We are one together. We are communities of believers in every part of the globe, transformed by the gospel and engaged in God's mission. This is a model of interdependence in which we see the whole church involved in the whole mission to the whole world. This church, Centralia, has a history of taking what you receive on Sunday and making sure the World Evangelism Fund is paid. The World Evangelism Fund does a lot of stuff, but it is the lifeline to our missionaries. You have been so faithful. I know that there are a lot of needs here in your church. There are needs that are probably not met the way that you would like them to be met. And sometimes it would be easier to say, let's just keep the funds here. Let's use it for what we need here. But this church has chosen to pour out your resources to the community and to the world. And I thank you for that. Do you know why nothing grows in the Dead Sea? The Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out and nothing lives in or around it. It is only when things flow out of our lives that things pour into our lives. Amen? You have been so faithful to participate in God's mission. So I want to take you and show you a little bit of what, um, of where you are. So um, if we could go to the web page. 
So this is a new web page. It's fairly new for the Church of the Nazarene. It's nazarene.org. If you go down a little bit, so who we are, you can find out statements about that. If you are in a different part of the country and want to find a Nazarene church, you can click on that. If you want to get some devotions or know how you can help uh, know about Jesus more, that would be over on the right. But in the middle is Global Missions. So if we click on that. So you have some options here. You have um, Meet Our Missionaries, Become a Missionary, Give to a Special Project, or Take a Team Somewhere. Did you know that because you guys paid your World Evangelism Fund, you could sponsor a missionary out into the world? That's pretty exciting, isn't it? But I want you to go to meet our missionaries. We have over 700 missionaries around the world. And this is a huge long list. It's all by their first name. Um, And so I want you to scroll down there and go to Ben and Catherine Radcliffe. Okay. So um, let me tell you a little bit about them. Um, As you probably know, your World Evangelism Fund supports them. It's very unusual for any other denomination that they do not have to raise their own funds to stay on the mission field. You do that for them, and it is a total blessing. So you have a part in these stories. Every one of those missionaries on that list has a very unique story and a unique calling, and you have a part in that. So... So uh, Ben is the son of uh, missionaries Kathy, Jim and Kathy Radcliffe, who gave themselves to the ministry of the Church of the Nazarene at the Kajip uh, Nazarene Hospital in Papua New Guinea. For 33 years, Jim served as a surgeon. He could have had a more lucrative um, career, certainly, in the United States. But he answered the call of God and to join his, as a mission to join his mission, and so he became a missionary doctor and was sent to Papua New Guinea. But every time Jim came home on home assignment and had the opportunity to speak to churches, he would say that he was praying for and trying to work his way out of a job. Jim and Kathy raised their family at the hospital in the upper highlands of Papua New Guinea, so Ben grew up in that mission statement of Chajib. When he graduated from high school, from that one-room school house that we have there, the mission statement, he went off to Mount Vernon Nazarene University. He wanted to be a history teacher and a basketball coach. During a revival service at Mount Vernon, he heard the Lord ask him, if I asked you to do anything, would you do it? And Ben replied, Lord, I would do whatever you ask me to do. Ben felt that God had asked him to be a missionary doctor like his father. So he changed his major to pre-med. And somewhere in class, he met another pre-med student named Catherine, who had received a call to be a missionary when she was 12. Ben graduated and applied to med school around the countries, but no offers came in. So he stayed on campus and worked while Catherine graduated. She was a year behind him. When she graduated, she immediately got an offer for an interview at a medical school, Wright State University. So during the course of the interview at Wright State, um, they asked her, do you have any relatives who attend Wright State? And she said, no, but I have a husband who applied to Wright State Medical School, but you didn't accept him. 
Why didn't we accept him, they asked. I don't know, she said, but he's in the car. So they asked Ben to come on up. He came up in his blue jeans and a t-shirt, and Wright stayed and accepted them both. Catherine is a doctor in family practice, and Ben became a surgeon. Jim, his, Ben's father, Jim, has been replaced at the hospital in Papua New Guinea by his very own son. Ben and Catherine are pouring out their lives, just like Jesus poured out his, into the lives of the people in the upper highlands of Papua New Guinea, training and developing nurses, and, and doing the whole range of surgeries that need to be done. God placed a call on Ben and Kathy's life, and you are a part of that story. Your giving, your praying, has directly helped them fulfill God's mission in Papua New Guinea. Their story is a part of our story, and together it's God's story. So I want you to meet somebody else. Um, I want you to meet Daniel Gomez. Daniel was born in Senegal, West Africa, and he grew up in, as a Muslim, became a Christian, and when Philly Shambo was elected to be general superintendent, Danny Gomez was elected to be the regional director of Africa. God is moving in Africa. There are over half a million Nazarenes in Africa alone. It is the fastest growing region in the world for our denomination. This great wildfire of revival, excuse me, um, is developed as a grassroots thing. It wasn't a strategy that the church planned. It wasn't a program that the church put in place. There was a, it was birthed out of the Africans' desperation for God. Some of it, that part, of, um, they knew, they humbly knew that they needed God, that they knew that if they needed God, they needed to be part of what God was doing. Some in that part of the world describes it, describe it as having the DNA of God. They are missional in their thinking. They realize that the very heartbeat of passion for God is missions. They know that being in relationship with God means sharing of, their, of his nature and sharing in his passion. God is moving and he is asking the Church of the Nazarene in Africa and around the world and you and I to join him. So we have a video I want to show you. You may have seen this at District Assembly, or you may have even shown it here in the church, I don't know, but um, it's really worth stopping and seeing it again. It's an incredible story. Oh, that's not the right video. Sorry, that's not the right video. That's the only one we have? Okay, but we won't show the video. But maybe Karen can show that to you sometime. It is really an incredible story of what God is doing. So I'm sorry, I apologize if there was a miscommunication there. 
The second decision that the, so the first, the first decision that the church made that separates us was that we did not nationalize our churches and we all became one with one mission and one focus together. The second decision was to define the USA-Canada region as a mission field. In 1997, the Board of General Superintendents made a historical decision when they declared the USA and Canada a mission field. They recognized that the traditional definition of missions had changed and that the church would have to consider new ways to accomplish its mission to make Christ-like disciples as our neighborhoods and our communities became more diverse and more in increasingly secular. By declaring the USA-Canada as a mission field, we made it a conscious and intentional focus to move the Church of the Nazarene into becoming an Acts 1-8 church. Acts 1-8 in the NIV reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a classic mission statement, but I think it's important in the line of the decision to declare USA and Canada as a mission field. Did you know that according to the International Mission Board Global Research, that the US has 282 identifiable, unengaged, and unreached people groups? In the United States, right here, Right here in our community, there are 282 unengaged and unreached people groups. The I-5 corridor that runs down our district, through the heart of our district, is one of the most unchurched nations in the United States, um, unchurched regions in the United States. Our mission field has arrived at our doorstep. The modern church has a tendency to compartmentalize missions as something we do over there. But the reality is that where we live today suggests that those lines are very blurred. There is no over there or over here. When it comes to missions, it is all missions when we are actively engaged in taking the church where it is not yet. To a people who have not yet heard the message that can bring them into a saving realm of God's grace and mercy. This is missions. This is the heart of God. That is what we read from Genesis to Revelation. And that is what he's calling us to do. The Church of the Nazarene is committed to sharing the gospel missionally, which just means we take the church where it is not yet. Even if it's not across the, if, even if it's, uh, if the church is not across the street, let's take it there. If it's not from the furthest corner of the earth, Let's take it there. Jerry Kester, our district superintendent, has an interacting fact that he likes to say that if you draw a straight line from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, you can't get any further from Jerusalem than the Pacific Northwest. When the gospel comes to the ends of the earth, it has come to us. We have this ministry of reconciliation and an opportunity to share with our friends and neighbors and through the extension of the church around the world. Many are called to go, and many are called to send and support those who go through prayer and financing. But there is no one exempt from involvement in this command to make disciples of all nations. God has one mission, 
all nations. He has one method, all believers. So will you join him in bringing a representative from every people group to his throne? It will happen. The Bible tells us it will happen. The only question is, will you be a part of that? God is at work transforming lives and reaching those who have never heard. You can join him. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Father, for this church that has been so faithful to follow what you have called it to do, to be a light in this community and to make an impact around the world. Father, I pray that you would give them eyes to see the world as you see them, with a compassion to reach people that they see who are broken and hurting and hungry and desperate for you. May you give them your love so that it is poured out into the lives of the people around them and that those people will see you and get to know you. Bless their pastor, Pastor Dave, as he's on sabbatical. Renew his spirit. Refresh his vision. Replenish his mind and his soul. Help us all as we boldly go out into the world today that we end this week that we can go knowing that we do not go alone, that you have called us, you have equipped us, you have given us the resources we need to be your light. Father, let us be that light. We love you, Father, and we just thank you for the many, many blessings that you have poured out for us. But more importantly, the blessing of dying on the cross so that we are called your daughters and sons. In your precious name, amen.